It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. And welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. Joined by Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com. And Chad Brendel will join us via phone from Destin, Florida. He's on vacation. He, of course, from BearcatJournal.com. But Rick Boring is with me. And, and let's touch on the uh, the recently concluded NBA draft. Let's, let's talk about the Xavier guys, none of whom are drafted. It's no surprise. Um, I guess the only surprise for me, and, and some of this is interesting, is... J.P. McCura gets a two-way contract. Trayvon Blewett gets a chance to go play in summer league. So does Kaiser Gates. What does that mean for Trayvon Blewett? Is that sometimes even a, a better thing for Trayvon Blewett? That he didn't, didn't get, get drafted? Two, yeah, or or the that he didn't sign the two-way. Yeah. yeah, the two-way deals are interesting. I think it really just matters on your situation. Because on one hand, it locks you into a team. Correct. Whereas otherwise, if you're just in the G League, you can be picked up by anyone at any time. Um, so it it's... Can, can, it can hinder you in that respect, and then also um, you can still make more money going overseas and playing, obviously, and you can get better situations that way. So it's not always the best thing for guys, but I do think for JP it's specifically interesting because I think his value is getting into a system. You fall in love with the kid because of the way he is and the way he plays and his toughness and all that, and... I think he sticks around with the team long enough. The good thing about being on one of those two-way deals is when a team does have to make a call up, right? They know exactly who they're going to to do, going to to do that usually. So um, it puts him in a good good position from that perspective. Uh, Kaiser Gates, um, he, he is going to play in the summer league. I, can you see him playing in the G League, or do you think he has to hop overseas? I mean, he can definitely play in the G League. It's not like it's too good of basketball league for him to be playing. I don't know. Um, you know, like, will he, is he wasting his time there in terms of, like, and, and you think about it and financially too, because the financial rewards of not being on it, the financial reward of a two way deal is if you can at least get on an NBA roster for a period of time, there is a prorated amount of money you're going to make. That's going to make it worth your while. Well, and the other thing is instead of making 26,000, right. you make 75,000 right. on Correct. the contract, which is huge, a huge and, difference. I mean, right. tripling your money to 75 grand to play in the G league. That's a great first job out of college. Yeah. And, and you, I think it's, you get up to 45 days that you can be I think 40, with the I would say 49, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. So yeah. it's, a, it's a limited amount of days that you're allowed to be with the NBA team on one of those deals. But if you get all those days, I mean, it's over $200,000. Yes. So, um, yeah, you can you can get almost three three hundred grand off of one of those two-way deals if you kind of hit the maximum number of days of being on an NBA team. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kaiser. You know, like, it's not a surprise that someone's going to give him a chance to play summer league. I don't see a big future for him in the NBA at this point. Yeah, I think you we know, talked about that. He's really going to have to improve himself. What, what will Trayvon have to show maybe in the summer league that he can do? Other it's, than make shots. We know he can make shots. but And, and see, I think that's it. Like, I, I don't think it's a thing where we're going to see him become a better defender, a better creator off the dribble, and no one in the NBA is going to want him to do that. That's not his strength. Well, I guess the thing is, could, could he do enough in the summer league to make shots where it's like, holy cow, we always thought he was good, but boy, he's really good at making shots. Well, uh, that's exactly what he has to do. Like, he will have to go in and put up that UC-type game from two years ago at the Shoemaker Center where he makes every shot he takes right. and scores 40 points. He'll have to be in that type of zone during summer league to showcase, like, he's not just a good shooter. Great, he's, great. He's a 
difference maker off the bench in a, a short spurt. You can put him in, and he can hit you three or four quick threes. And I guess we could see that in, in an NBA system, right? In today's NBA, where it's a complete spread the floor, and he is just a catch-and-shoot guy as opposed to you're having to run him off a bunch of stuff, and he's having to create on occasion for himself, and those kind of things that maybe the NBA, maybe they see this summer, and that's the great part about it, is they go, hey, catch-and-shoot-wise, this cat's as good as we've seen. He really struggles to guard. There's no question no about doubt. it. No doubt. But who can guard anyone one-on-one in the NBA at this point? It's so much of an – it's an offensive-driven league. I think there's a value – I think there's value to a guy who is a knockdown, lights-out shooter, like you said, who can get it off quickly, who plays well in a system where you're moving the ball. Um, that being said, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to bet on Trayvon yeah. making a roster either. So um, I think he has an outside chance, but he will really have to wow people with his shooting ability. Talk to Chad Brendel here in just a little bit about the, the UC guys, but I'll get your take on it. Um, I'm sure for Jacob Evans, it got nervous towards the end of the first round, but uh, I was on a show in Lexington this week, and, and they asked me about some of these guys. And for him, man, what a – I don't think it's – you, can, you can't find a better scenario than that for him, right? And most people – a lot of people would say that, because you're going to the Warriors, but I would disagree for a lot of young players. Like, what role are you going to find in that team? Well, he, they, they need a guy like yes. him. Like, they can definitely use a versatile defender, and then he fits perfectly. He fits better into the Warrior system than he did Cincinnati. Uh, no doubt. Because they're not going to ever ask him to create. It's going to be strictly ball Spot movement up, and getting him open threes, basically, and then get back on the other end and defend. And occasionally him coming downhill, looking, and he'll do it. He'll create for some other guys. I don't yeah. know if he can create at a high level in the NBA, but he will at least look to do those kind of things. Yeah, and I mean, that won't be, I don't think that'll ever be his role, and they won't have to ask him to do that, but that's, it'll be, it'll He's be not incapable of doing that, though, right. at times. That's the, Correct. that's the And part. in the open, in the open floor yes. transition, he can make some plays for you. Um, I mean, look at, like, Patrick McCall played a ton of right. minutes for them. Like he's better than him. Yes, like yes. Th- there is there's a spot available to for him to play significant minutes right away on this team. I think. Yeah, and like it, it's a perfect fit for them. It's a perfect fit for him. I don't think you could have asked for much more. Yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, like I said, as you, as you get towards the end of that first round and there's, you know, there's the guaranteed money thing and there's the whole stigma of being a first-round guy, it probably got to be a little sweat moment, right? We're talking basically end of the first round there. But, man, if, if I'd have said, dude, I'm going to make you sweat for about two and a half, three hours, I'm going to put you in the perfect scenario, I'm going to guess he would have gone, I'll raise my hand and take that. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Like, I didn't. Watching him this year, I didn't see a guy that I was a guaranteed first rounder. I, I didn't so either, but as was, you saw, as you saw, a lot of mocks had him. Actually, a lot of mocks had him in the, in the 20, yeah. 20-ish to twenty-five range. He went later than that. I'm with you. I mean, there was never anything this year that made you go, "That guy's got to be a first round draft pick in the NBA." But that that'll show you that sometimes the skill set, and in this case, skill set combined with system going to, again, it can't work out any better for that kid. Right. It's just funny because like they everyone you know they love the buzz term three and D guy now and that's what they say he'll be in the right, NBA right well when I think of like a three and D guy that's going in the first round it's like Mikhail Bridges right then I get he's pretty special he may be even more than that at a difference maker but like I think the drop-off between Mikhail Bridges and Jacob Evans it's, is so significant it's, it's hard to believe he's only you know 15 spots farther back right, in, in right. the draft or whatever right um the Kentucky guys um it went kind of in the order everybody maybe thought second round you could have flip-flopped Diallo and, and Vanderbilt but Knox going ahead of Gilgis Alexander not by much uh 1-9-1-11 I don't like the fit for Kevin Knox do you well, I mean, how how can you like going to that place just in general? Like, what I don't know if it's a fit thing for me as much as it is just like they suck. 
Well, and and he's not going to come in and wow you from day one, right? He's he. I think he's a solid guy, and I, I hate that term because there's a lot of guys you can put the solid tag on. He just looks like a guy that's going to be a fifteen and six and a half guy for his whole career, which is not awful. Make a great career out of that. Sure. But when you're in New York as the ninth pick overall, coming to a bad team that's just desperate for anything to go right, at least fan wise, team wise, I think they realize, man, we're two, three free agency periods drafts away from even getting close to that. So we're trying to add some pieces as we go. But from a fan perspective, and he just, he doesn't seem like he has that alpha male. And and I'll give him credit. He didn't sink in Kentucky and the Kentucky fan base can be tough, but they're not New York tough. No. And he's going to have to deal with that at some point, right? He's going to have a five point one for 10 disappear game in New York and maybe multiples. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely going to happen. It's going to be rough, but it's rough constantly in New York. I mean they, they've had a bad run of it right now the I think he's going to be in a similar situation to what we saw at UK this year that what we talked about was kind of their issue at times that like you said not I don't necessarily say he's not an alpha male because like I think he did a good job of kind of stepping up and being their leader but I don't know that he's as comfortable or it's not as ideal for him right. to be in a starring role where he has to be the go-to guy and be um, a big-time difference maker. I think he's more of like the Paul George type star if he reaches his full potential, which is like you'd love him if he's your second best guy. I think that's where Paul George is at in his career. Like he's he's really good, and most people would consider him definitely an all-star. Some would call him a superstar. But if he's your best guy, I don't know if that's a great thing. Right. So playing alongside Kristaps Porzingis will be nice. But I think they needed a star, and I don't know if Kevin Knox is going to be a star. Yeah, I, I, just reading draft grades, and I, and I get the point. Michael Porter Jr. got bypassed, and Michael Porter Jr.'s upside is probably more significant than Kevin Knox. There's the injury history, and we can't deny that part of it. Um, maybe that was the, the better. If you're looking at a year where you're, you're not going anywhere anyway, that's maybe the guy to take the flyer on, maybe. Yeah, I would have been really interested in um, like even a Trey Young uh if you if you had that opportunity you know some like some just looking at some of the track to hang your hat on right right like uh, some of those teams that are really bad those are the ones where i would get probably a little more crazy with my picks i i just kind of agree with you that like i don't know if kevin knox does enough for them in the period that he's going to be there like i could totally see him being traded away in a few years as a solid piece for someone else and we'll go man like that guy's way better than we realized yes. kind of deal yeah. when he was with the Knicks. You know? Yeah, 50, like I said, 15 to 17, 6 7 rebounds, stuff that you go, those are nice numbers. You give an NBA guy doing that. But boy, in New York, that, that's, if, that's just not going to be enough. Shea Gillis-Alexander got traded or got taken by the Hornets, got traded to the, to the Clippers. I think he has, of the four guys taken from Kentucky, has the biggest upside. Well, I do, but I'll tell you what, and I know, fortunately, Brendel's not here to uh, talk to me about this, but I'm, I'm sure you won't like hearing it either because I was on this all year. I still think Jared Vanderbilt is a really, really intriguing NBA player. See, I don't, and I just don't see anything he does offensively that that, that makes me think that he can do. I mean, maybe he can be a three-point third. Maybe he can be Paul Silas. Go look him up back in the day. I'm aware just, of Paul I Silas. know you are, but others may not be. I know you are. You're a historian. I did point my finger at you for those. Yeah, you, I, you I pointed my finger right at me like I did you needed point, me to Google it. Now. You know him more as a coach than a player, though, for goodness sakes. Fair enough. But Paul Silas was a, was a just that's what that is role. Now, I would say in Denver, where he is, they do have a lot of offensive weapons, and if you're looking to just say, hey, man, come in and guard and go grab rebounds, that's all you need to do and get me three stickbacks a game, maybe that, that that fit is right for him. Well, my thing is just that he's a big guy, like legitimately 6'9". With, with a wingspan. With long yeah, arms yeah. And, and athleticism, like, and he can really defend. 
there's not a lot of guys out there that can guard a Kevin Durant that can guard, you know, like can guard these special players. I'm not going to say he's going to lock those guys down, but he gives at least gives him a challenge. That type of defender potentially that can match up with the the unicorn all star guys that can play on the perimeter and are still almost seven feet tall, like that sort of position in the NBA that we we've seen. Not everyone's Kevin Durant, but we've seen a lot more of these guys now where they're 6'10 plus and can really shoot and handle it and everything. He gives you someone that can can stay with that type of guy. He gives you someone that can really, really rebound at the highest level. We saw that, what a difference he made when he finally got healthy. And then he can really pass. Um, no, is he going to be a big scorer? Maybe not. But I think his skill set could be a really nice like sixth man type skill was, set. He, and he was for those, I mean, he was a second round pick. So it's not like you're asking him to come in and be a huge part of what you're doing either. Right. Same for Diallo. Could, could, could he, could the light bulb go off for him or could you see him washing out of that league very quickly? I, it could be either or right. I think with him. Um, his skill set just isn't great, but if it continues to develop, I mean, he's shown flashes for sure. It's not, it's not a terrible skill set, um, but he, he has to get better offensively. With a lot of those things, he, I mean, he does remind me of Andrew Wiggins in a lot of ways. So, like, I could totally see him being that type of player if he continues to improve. And uh, not, Andrew Wiggins hasn't been quite the star people expected him to be, but I don't know that he, I mean, he's certainly not a guy that's about to get washed out of the league. Yeah. Um, so, I, I could see it working out for Hamadou. Yeah, I don't want to do a deep dive on the draft. But I do want to ask you a couple guys. Marvin Bagley said he was disrespected from not being the, the first pick overall. Um, there's a part of me, I, I love a lot of things he does, impossible not to. There's also a part of me that goes, and I know this is a league where, you know, offense is at a, is, is at a premium. Who does he guard? Yeah. And does he guard? No. And was he disrespected by not being taken number one overall? No, see, if... if Whatever I, that means. You know, you and me are, I think, on the same page. I'm not a big disrespect guy, but... No, that's stupid. Yes. But also, if I were going to take him, like, if I, if I was taking a big man at the top of this draft... I would have taken Aiton for one, no doubt. Um, but it, if it's between, if it was Bagley, like I didn't have the option to take Aiton because he was already gone, I would have gone Jaron Jackson before I would have gone Bagley. Um, I think he's a much better player on both, and like Bagley's the more refined offensive player right now for certain. But I think long term, Jaron Jackson can get to that point, if not better. And defensively, he's so much. better. Yeah, and that's the thing for Bagley, and, and you know, again, you are going to a league where maybe it doesn't doesn't matter as much. But you got to guard somebody at some point. I mean, at some point, you have to get some level of stops and you have some level of want to to guard. And I just, I never saw, I mean, they went to a 2-3 zone at Duke for a big reason, right? I mean, he wasn't the only guy, but, but he was the main guy. Yeah, it was a big reason. He was no a doubt. big reason for it. No doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, let's talk about uh, Xavier's summertime and, and what July means for, for them and, and really Kevin Steele's kind of first, not first, but, but first July recruiting period as a head coach. Yeah, it, well, I mean, it's it's so big right I now. I said Kevin Steele, Travis Steele. Why am I thinking Kevin Steele? Travis Steele, thank you. I, I was wondering if no, you no, said I Kevin, just, but I thought... I, I, did, mean, maybe I did say I Kevin. Sorry, sorry Travis. Um, it, it, they're in an interesting spot because obviously, like you said, it's so important that first class, you're trying to recruit well and everything for the future, but they've still got to figure out the roster for next year. Like, they have to for add... For this coming year. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. For 2018-19. They have to add another piece. Um, at this point and you know like they had a, a pretty big we- weekend just now with some some prospects for the future but also you know Gino Crandall was on campus North Dakota uh, grad transfer so I mean that's kind of the top guy right now but if they don't get him if he ends up going to Minnesota who's probably the next most likely or Gonzaga who's in there as well 
I, I don't know who is next in line, but I'm pretty sure they'll still have to add someone. So they're going to be very busy just chasing down this year's roster in addition to doing all their 2019 and 2020 recruiting. And, for and I know that's part of it sometimes, but how much can that kind of put you behind sometimes where you I mean you have to focus on the coming year but you also have to focus on on down the road can that can that be dicey or is that just part of the juggling act of what you occasionally have to do well this I, is this is late to get something for 18 19 it is um but the one thing about the staff is they're so I mean I know this staff is new but like Xavier and the way things have gone and obviously still being a big part of what Mac did in terms of recruiting they've done this a lot when you look at how they've put their rosters together it's been a lot of turnover and a lot of grabbing a, a grad transfer or grabbing a transfer from here or there. They've they've done a lot of sort of um, piecemealing their, their rosters together over the years. So I don't think it's like new to Travis, and I don't think it's going to be a big issue. But in terms of like when you start talking about what they're doing this July, it's like it's it's pretty big. It's a little bit bigger than it is for some other teams because they still got a lot riding on this coming season, which, you know, I don't think they're going to be great. I think it's definitely going to be uh, a little bit of a rebuilding year and, and figuring some things out. It'll certainly take them some time, but they've also got some potential. There's not a lot of teams who have... I think the grad transfers make it interesting to me. It just makes it really interesting. Well, and there's just not many teams that have a guy like Anaji Marshall, right. Quentin Gooden, and Paul Scruggs that you feel great about three of your starters and and really probably a fourth and as know? much as you'd like to go hey we're eight nine ten deep maybe you're only seven deep maybe that's what i mean maybe you are what you are and that's all you are is seven deep and you have to find a way to work around that right and they might only have four guys that are you know really good in general but if you've got four really good players that's better th- than a lot of teams no, have so <laughs> no doubt yeah it's going it's going to be really interesting to see what this team does so that's that's why i'm really locked in on how they finish out july for this year's team because i mean if they add like gino crandall who i think is really really good yeah, that's a difference maker and all of a sudden they're in a, in a kind of a down year for the big east now you're could, at five, yeah now you aren't five guys plus whatever you got bench wise right and and now maybe you're competing for another league title or at least you know second or third or something in there instead of maybe that five to seven range uh, let's talk real quickly about Kentucky getting a grant transfer as well. Uh, it'd been talked about Reed Travis when he decided to not when he took his name out of the NBA draft, the Stanford player. Um, Kentucky's name came up quickly. He makes makes it official. Just just on two fronts, the one being from a talent perspective, he's about eighteen and nine and a half rebounds a game on a not a great team, but he's not coming from a bad league. Right. Granted, the Pac twelve was not very good, but we're not talking about a non power five or whatever league. Um, was first team all conference in that in that league as well. What does he do from a talent perspective, and what does he do from an experience perspective? Yeah, it's it's a, a really interesting ad because obviously he was a huge name. Everyone wanted him, and everyone knew he was one of the big difference makers that was going to be transferring this year. He's huge. I mean, he's a really big physical dude. He can really rebound. So I think it changes them a little bit. It's, because this was already a really good recruiting class, as was. A great a great recruiting yeah. class. But the one thing you kind of – UK always has young bigs. And as good as some of those bigs have been in that one year that they're there or two years that they're there, you don't have upperclassmen toughness and experience to you. That That's big for, for centers. Not as, Yes, right. It, you know, it, you can get by a lot easier as a guard, I think, without that. But, like, that just – 
sort of uh, that age, the toughness, all that stuff, it builds as you go on through the stuff. So a grad transfer versus a freshman, that's a big deal in terms of your physicality, your toughness underneath. I think I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. And when you think about some of the best Cal teams... They've, there's always been a guy, right? Yeah. There's there's, been, and even it's sometimes been a sophomore, but it's maybe a guy that's been through... I mean, Terrence Jones I can think of. He was only a sophomore, right? But... He was the man for a year, at least a big part of the man, but he'd been through that at least a year of it. For some of these young guys, they haven't even been through that. This Reed Travis has been through it a bunch and has had really good success on top of it. And the other thing that I think... Darius Miller, obviously, yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I think happens when when you, you've you played for a year, you know, especially being a grad transfer where you've been playing college basketball for five years now, that sense of urgency and the, like, I can't lose, this is my last go-round and we've got to hold it together type mentality is just totally different sure. from a one-and-done freshman who's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we lost, and yeah, think the wheels are kind of falling off, but in a month I'm going to be drafted, and who cares, my life will You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no there's doubt. just a different – No doubt. Even, even if the guys are totally bought in and they love Kentucky and they're playing their hearts out, there's just a different level you take it to when you have that type of urgency as a senior, I think, versus when you're a freshman. You don't quite understand what it means yet. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. All right, this time let's welcome in Chad Brenner from BearcatJournal.com on vacation in Destin, Florida. And it is my pleasure to welcome in the man we just mentioned, Chad Brendel from BearcatJournal.com. On vacation in Destin, Florida, doing this by phone. Are you happy to be on vacation, Chad Brendel? It's been a couple years since we've been on vacation. We, have, uh, we haven't had a fun year, so I thought vacation was necessary, so we're on vacation. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, and you're just getting there. So hopefully the weather works out for you guys, and hopefully all is going well with the family. Sounds like it is as long as you're on vacation. Well, let's talk about Jacob Evans. Um, you know, we talked in the last podcast that uh, he was certainly projected as a first-round guy, maybe to the surprise of some. I'll ask you, though, as the first round got further and further along, did you start to worry? And I'll ask you how this worked out because it worked out well, but did you start to worry at all if it was going to work out as a first-round pick for Jacob Evans? I got a little concerned that if it wasn't Golden State, who was it going to be? Right. Because, it, you know, a, a draft always works out where there's, three or four guys that get taken where you, nobody expects them to be taken. And then everything kind of starts to slide down a little bit. And there was, a, a you know, about 22, 23, it started looking like if Golden State doesn't pull the trigger on this, he could be in a little bit of trouble of sliding out of the first round. But there was still a lot of confidence. Golden State brought him in on the day of the parade. They brought him in the day before the draft. They had seen him three times, at least three times with a scout. The general manager flew to Cincinnati to see him. There was obviously a very high level of interest between Golden State and Jacob Evans. So that was kind of the saving grace in not getting, like, freaked out. But it was still, this thing's breaking that if something happens and, you know, Golden State trades out or, or something happens there, that he might not go in this first round. And the, the key is, though, he, he you talk about going – is there a more – if I could have told you before the draft or told him before the draft, what would be the most perfect team for you? I'm not sure he goes to a more perfect team, right? Uh, Boston, I hey. think, would be equally as perfect. Like, I don't think any more perfect, but I think equally as perfect. And Boston probably has more guys on the wing that would, you know, that would eat in in terms of, of overall depth. No, I think it's incredibly perfect and – from talking to some people, there's a belief also that Golden State is going to go the way of San Antonio quite a bit this year in terms of 
you're not going to see Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson play 75 games. Right. So, and, and, and it makes sense because, sure. I mean, I mean, with, I, think, I mean, Chad, think about uh, if you go through the last, whatever, four to five years of playoffs for some of those guys, at least right. the last four, you're adding, you're adding darn close. It's not a full season yet, but it's darn it's, close. It's, it's right about another one. Yeah, exactly. Right about a full season. That, that would be extremely smart. They may win 65, 67 games and be better for it in the long run. Yeah, so, I mean, that's going to give Jacob Evans an incredible opportunity to show that he belongs, to show that he's going to deserve minutes. And we do this every year with Golden State. They bring in somebody that they draft in the back end of the first round, and all of a sudden, they're a productive player at Golden State, and they've got rings. Well, the other thing I I thought about him being in a perfect scenario – we talked about it this year. You know, he was, he's not an overly creative offensive guy, but he does create for others at times. Um, you know, he's, he's not a completely great shooter, but he's a really good shooter at times. It just feels right. like just from a fit perspective, man, you talk about the proverbial 3 and D and, and spreading the floor and then being able to create some things off the bounce. Maybe not score the way you would like, because we never saw him score at UC the way you'd like. But just, you know, being able to spot up and shoot, create for some others, do what they ask him to do, which is you don't have to ask him to do it. Being a good defender, that part's not even in question in, right. in all likelihood. I, I, that's, why, that's why I just thought it was the perfect scenario for that kid. Well, yeah, and his mentality sits in perfectly there. That's what we talked about right? as, as we've talked about him potentially going to like a playoff caliber uh, Eastern Conference, Western Conference finals type team. You're not going to have to worry about him. He doesn't – like what we felt was kind of his – I don't flaw, if you will, in becoming a superstar in college is going to benefit him fifty fold in the NBA, right? Because he's not coming in having to be the man. Like, there's going to be no attitude issues. There's going to be no drama. You're not going to have to quote unquote deal with Jacob Evans. You're going to say, "This is your role. This is what we want you to do." And let's face it, they've got four Hall of Famers on that team. <laughs> there's nobody asking Jacob Evans to be a star at Golden State. Correct. Correct. Well, and for him, too, I mean, it's the fact that uh, you just fell into a, an extra playoff check or two or four or five or how many of those are. I mean, I, I just couldn't have – I mean, the, the, it is the absolute perfect scenario, it seems like, for that kid, for sure. It's phenomenal for that kid, and I'm really happy for him. I mean, he's been everything you want a student athlete to be. He's been accessible. He's been easy to talk to. Uh, he's been, you know, just a, a pleasure to have at the University of Cincinnati from a media standpoint. And now this guy gets to go and learn from Steve Kerr and Bob Myers and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And I mean, one of the big things, Skinny, I, I think this gets overlooked some. Um, it was talked about a lot on the Golden State side, but when he went to that last workout the day before the draft on Wednesday, Draymond Green was there. And when that workout was done, Draymond Green went directly to the front office and said, him. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's the leader of that team. That's the alpha that's dog the, on that's that the team. Alpha, that, that's the alpha dog that if he's not going to accept you, then you've got some issues coming. And he went straight to management and said, I watched him in the drills. I watched this kid take instruction. That's the kid you draft. And they drafted him, and now he's in heaven. Well, and I would tell you, that, that, look, hey, you know, Jacob Evans was never a super, superstar in college. I mean, he's, that's why he was picked at the no, end he's of the first round. he's a very good player. But but the point being, you know, there are very few of those lottery level guys, right? right. I mean, that that would tell me you, you talk about the lesson you learn is 
keep your nose clean, keep your mouth shut, take instruction, learn. Um, you know, again, I, I, I would have liked to have seen Jacob do more in college, but bottom line is do all those things and have the talent set that, that some team is going to just look and go, that's the guy. And it's not because you were a 25-point-per-game guy. It's not because you took 61 shots a game or 31 shots a game or whatever. It's because you do all the right things. And, again, I, I wish Jacob had been more at UC. I'm sure you do too. I'm sure UC fans do. And maybe there's a part of Jacob that wishes the same. But down deep, bottom line, um, he did a lot of right things to get himself in the position he's in right now. Yeah, and I think this is an interesting um, an interesting time for the program because with with Jacob going to Golden State and then Gary getting a two way deal with with Houston, that it speaks to good teams want guys that have been trained a certain way, and you're trained that way at Cincinnati. Yeah. Maybe it's not conducive to going to the bad teams at the top of the draft, but they could find themselves a nice little niche in the back of the first round, early second round for guys that have come through this program if they continue. Yeah, you give me six to eight to ten years in the NBA, I, I think I'll, I'll take that and, and run to the bank, literally. Uh, you just just get Gary, to the second deal, brother. Right, get to yeah. the second deal. You, you brought up Gary Clark, and he did sign the two-way deal. Explain to people what that means, because some people will see that a guy is going to play on a summer league team, and that seems to be the only invite they've gotten to this point. Some guys have gotten to the two-way deal. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, especially when it came to the whole Darius Baisley thing. But t- talk to people. Tell people what, what a two-way deal means and whether this was good. Some, in some cases, it is good. In some cases, it's not good for guys. Why this is good or bad for B- Gary Clark? For Gary, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's about best-case scenario other than – I mean, even if he was drafted in the second round, he probably would have ended up with a two-way deal. So what it is is – you you can spend up to 47 days with the NBA team. The rest of the time you are you're in the developmental league. The developmental league's base salary is like $26,000. So I think it bumped up a little bit this year. Um when you sign a two-way deal, you get $75,000. Right. And then you get prorated rookie deal for every day that you're in the NBA. So at worst, he's making $75,000. And at best, if he spends 47 days with Houston, he can make up to about $300,000. Yeah, and a I, and good I wish, first I, job out of college. Yeah, it's great. And I, I wish I could remember this <laughs> off the top of my head. I, Gary, I think it's Gary Payton second. I can't remember what his two, two-way deal was, but it – it netted him, I want to say, close to almost four hundred grand or something along. There, there might have even been a guarantee for him because um, for some of these guys, three hundred, three hundred. If you're just a basic two way deal, yeah, three hundred okay. is a, right. is the max. Right. Okay. So that's that. I think that's about where he was, which was absurd yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. So, I mean, for Gary and in another situation, a really good team. He's a team that's got star power. I think that's what Gary needs is a team that that has big-time guys that he can play off of and help make better. That's kind of who Gary is. Um, just a fantastic situation. And, you know, it's interesting. If Houston signs another big guy, what people don't really think about in terms of being in a situation like Jacob Evans or, or Gary Clark or J.P. McCure getting a two-way deal, but his situation's a little different. When you sign with these teams that have all these star players, Guess what? There's only so much money to go around. Correct. Yeah, and that and that's the part where you look and you go, wait a minute, why is that guy the twelfth guy on the bench? Because guess what? He fits under the salary cap structure. My, and, and let's face it, in the NBA, the twelfth guy isn't 
you know, isn't playing a whole lot anyway. But you know what? Sit on that bench, shut your mouth, get your check, and be happy with it and just keep getting better. And hope you work your way up to eighth or seventh guy. And then when that second deal hits, you say, I was the seventh guy on the second best team in the NBA, and it's time for me to get paid. Sure, sure. So pay me. So Um, both of these guys, really happy for them because they found about as good a situation as you could have dreamed of when we sat and, you know, projected this or talked about this from the beginning. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Kentucky guys. Um, Rick's talked about the Xavier guys already, but let's talk about the Kentucky guys. Um, no surprise, Kevin Knox went first of that group. What did you – I don't like to sit with the Knicks. It's just me personally. I know they're getting ready to tank, so there's not a lot of pressure to win, all those things. Um, there's always pressure in New York. And that's the part – I guess that's the part I was going to get to is, well, there's no pressure because they're tanking to get to a point of, of helping themselves in the draft moving forward. Um, Knicks fans aren't going to want to hear that. They don't care about that. They don't care that Nevin, Kevin Knox might. They, they're going to care if Kevin Knox struggles and the Knicks struggle, and this guy who was taken as the first pick for them in this draft may may not be um, and probably won't be a superstar. It just I feel it just feels like a bad fit for that kid. Well, here's my other concern with fit uh, with them. It, they haven't at least really to this point. Christoph Porzingis is the four on that team, right? Right, right. That's kind of where we talked about feeling was the best spot for Kevin Knox. As a stretch four. As a stretch four. As a three, I just I don't love him there. Yeah, who does he yeah. guard? In, who in does he way? guard? And and he really put it on the deck and make plays as a three. Um, and, I, you know, I, I talk about this all the time in that, that – middle ground between as a guy of three or as a guy of four. And and ultimately for me, it comes down to this. If he's a, if like, if he's a, like a mismatch problem at the four, you want him to be an exceptional four and not an average three. Right. And, and I think he's kind of stuck in that in between where he could probably be a really, really quality matchup problem at the four at the three. There's the matchup problem. Like who does he give problems that plays the three in the NBA? No, nobody. I, honestly, yeah. no, I mean, there, there are going to be nights where Kevin Knox is going to score 32 points, and there's going to be nights where he scores five points. It, it, you can see it coming, and it may lean more towards the latter than the former. Yeah, I, I just wish there was a, a spot in New York where he could play that more of that stretch four. Maybe with Porzingis in his knee, uh, maybe now that has, they have to move him more to like a stretch five, and that, that helps Knox out. Um, I, I, he seems like a really good kid. Like I really wish him yeah. well. No, and I, I, I do too. That's why. That's why I, I. It just feels like a bad, a bad fit. I don't begrudge what he's gotten. I don't begrudge him being selected where he's selected. I just I look and go for you personally. That that's just it, not. That doesn't seem. Now he's gone through the pressure of being in Kentucky's program. Yeah. You know, but uh, ooh, New York's different, man. It's just different. That's a whole different beast, and especially if you're a first round pick for the Knicks. There's been so many that haven't panned out that pressure is kind of instant. So hopefully he's ready for it and hopefully he can, he can battle through that. I, I, I want to see him do well. I just don't know. I'm like you. I don't know if he's in a situation that's, that's going to pop right off the page for the kid. Yeah. The the other three Kentucky guys drafted two in the second round. No surprise with them. Is it, is it a good fit for Shea Gillis, Alexander? And, and do you think for either the second round guys, Jared Vanderbilt or Hamadou Diallo, that it's, that it's good for them, or um, are, are they even NBA-level guys? 
I think Shea's definitely an NBA level guy. I don't have to no, say no, where did he no, end I up. No, I Shea is. I'm talking about the second round guys. I know Shea is. Where did Shea end up? I, there was some movement there at that point in the draft, and I don't have a sheet in front of me. Where did he end up? I want to say the Hawks. Nah, he wasn't the Hawks. I'm drawing a blank. Hornets, maybe. I'm the same way. I'll look here okay. in a second. I like him in the NBA. I think you know he's going to have to. I think he's the best of the. I think he's the best of the four. To be honest with you, I, I really, probably. I think yeah, I think he's the best of the four. I, I think he's going to have to improve his shot a little bit um, in terms of just consistency. I don't think he's got like a like a broken jump shot or any by any stretch, but um, I think he's a really good fit. Vanderbilt. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm always big on guys that can rebound because it is the skill that translates across all levels of basketball. There is a role for him to do that, but, man, outside of one foot, he can't score. Like, Yeah, he is on a team that, that doesn't have a hard time scoring. He's on Denver, and Denver doesn't have a yeah. hard time scoring. So I could see him carving a need. niche there, being some toughness, a guy that comes in and crashes the glass for you. Like, I'm not I'm not totally against that. I could see that where, where that would work out for him. But to, to, real, to, to make it and extend a career – He's got to figure out some offense because, boy, just go back and look at some of those games. Two feet from the rim, he just couldn't get the ball in the basket. And then some of that is rust, I know. And then you bring up the injury stuff. Can he stay healthy? Because he hasn't stayed healthy since he was like a sophomore in high school. That's correct. So, you know, that's a a – I've never – I've always wondered with him. I love his motor. I love the rebounding. I love the physicality and the toughness of the kid but he's got a lot to expand into his game in order to make it work. And I, I hope it's there. Who's the fourth one? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll get back to Shago. and just Alexander was, was drafted by Charlotte. I said, then traded to the Clippers. So there you go. The Clippers. That's where. Yeah. yeah. yeah I could, I kind of like him in LA. And there, you know, it's, it's in LA. <laughs> that's yeah. What's not to like about LA. That, that's a good point. If I, hey. I'll give him some advice. Find a place in like Hermosa, Manhattan Beach, <laughs> and then life I, is good. I had a friend that lived on Manhattan Beach, and he loved it. He paid an exorbitant amount of money for a very small place, but he loved it. I, I lived in a three-bedroom townhouse in Hermosa Beach. This was 1999-2000. It was $4,500 rent for gotcha. a three-bedroom three-bedroom townhouse. We were like <laughs> – we were like four blocks from the beach. You could <laughs> so, you, you you could live in the nicest neighborhood in Northern Kentucky for that right now, dude. You could live in a mansion in Northern Kentucky that, for forty five hundred dollars a month. That is that is correct. A uh, couple other things. Um, UC did get its uh, its pairings for the league. Um, I guess the only one that was interesting to me was they only played Temple on the road, but it is good to see the home and home with Wichita, still the home and home with with uh, with SMU, still the home and home with Houston, still the home and home with Memphis. Anything surprise you with that, or do you, do you like yeah, and UConn too? Did you, did you, no, did I mean there had well? to be there had to be somebody that was only going to get. I right. mean they're not going to you're not going to luck out, not luck out, but you're not going to get all four of the bottom four teams. Right. You know they, they're doing everything they can to make sure the best teams are playing each other. You're still going to get one in there now. Temple, who knows? I mean, we thought they were going to be better last year, right? And they weren't. And this is Fran Dumpy's last year. He's a lame duck. They've already named a replacement. Like, I don't know how confident I am that, you know, and what Temple's going to have. Um, this UC team's going to be interesting. They're, and it, it gets rough for them real quick. Yeah, right, right. So they're going to have a chance to be where 
they need to be by the time conference play starts, or they're going to be scrambling. So, you know, the league schedule, it'll be interesting when it comes out to see front-loaded, back-loaded, you know, what, how it sets up in terms of how the dates play out. But if you're going to make the tournament, the league has to do this to help you out, and they did. I think Houston, Cincinnati, and Central Florida are going to be the three teams at the top of the league. We'll see on Memphis and UConn. Um, I think UConn's going to be okay. It, it's it's been talked about on this podcast quite a bit, but I'm a Danny Hurley guy. Yeah, but it's He's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen immediately, though, right? Well, I mean, Jalen Adams is there yeah. for his 13th year of college. <laughs> How long has that kid been at UConn? There's a lot of them like that. It feels like it feels like anymore. Oh you're not a one and done guy. You've been in college for 15 years. Yeah, but he feels like it even more. Maybe that's because. Every good game in his career is against Cincinnati. Yeah, right. So it stands um, out. So it stands out. But I think with uh, Yakwe, the kid from St. John's, they get some rim protection. Terry Larry, or they, you know, they've they've got some pieces that I, that Danny Hurley can work with. Um, I think they're going to be top five in the league. Penny, Memphis, we'll see. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement. He he hired a pretty good staff, um, but you know. It, how much does winning an NBA Coach of the Year award mean when nobody else in the NBA will hire you to even be an assistant? I, I wonder about that. Yeah, so, no, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I, I, I think there's a good chance that Penny's going to get this thing going. I don't know how good it'll be in year one. Um, but then SMU and, you know, we're kind of SMU and Wichita because of all the, the, the departures – are kind of unknowns. Wichita lost almost their entire team, but they've still got McDuffie. They they um, are no, I got to catch up. They they are, but I, it feels like there's a, a budding rivalry there, right? So I'd like oh, yeah. to see the rivalry continue as home and home, at least in the short term. Yeah, I agree absolutely. I, I just don't know how quickly that's going to come together. You have to assume with Greg Marshall, it's going to come together. I think the the Reeves kid transferring out really hurt them because I think if you paired him with McDuffie, you would have had two big-time offensive-minded guys, and that could have sparked you through th- some of the, the trouble of adding nine new guys or whatever it is that they're adding. Um, but it's going to be an interesting league this year. Uh, there, there's a lot of star power that's that's out the door. Yeah, right, right. And as uh, UCF let- the favorite. Taco Fall, Aubrey Dawkins, B.J. Um, Taylor. I, I can't see a favorite continue to win games 53-47. Good luck to you if you do. I I tend to agree, but I, I got a feeling the team in Cincinnati is going to have to win quite a few of those this yeah, year as well. That, that's a good point. That's that's a good point. Hey, last, last couple of things for you: the July recruiting period's coming up. Uh, anything to anything of note as you head into it? Um, couple. I mean, obviously the big name to watch for for UC is Kiki Tandy, uh, University Heights, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. He's the guy that Mick has kind of been all in on. Um, Durante Smith, a uh, kid from out of the South, a big six six wing uh they've got a lot of interest in and then uh we'll see if the world explodes or not if they can get any footing with samari curtis um the kid that decommitted from xavier and committed to ec would always make things a little more interesting in crosstown shootout time correct well and and kiki tandy i know i know chris mack when he was at xavier was very high on him um and i'm assuming mick cronin Cronin was actually mick cronin was on him first uh, yeah, and, but, I'm, but I'm saying now, now that he's in Louisville, not too far. I mean, obviously closer. You know what? They haven't pushed. It's yeah, been weird. They, 
That's it surprises me. me too. They haven't really pushed on that. Um, I mean, you would I would have thought that they would have made. I thought they would have made. Sorry, my daughter is telling me where sorry. we're going to dinner. All good. Um, <laughs> she's circling me as we're finishing this up. Um, you would have thought they would have made them a priority right away, but they really haven't. So. I think Ohio State is probably the name to watch with Samari Curtis. Um, and, and, you know, it depends on how hard they make him a priority. But uh, I know he he visited Cincinnati about a week and a half ago. Um, and that's, you know, probably I think it's the third or fourth time that he's he's been around the program. So, you see, still got a puncher's chance with that one. We'll see. Like I said, that would that would always make the rivalry a little more fun if you've got yes, a kid that decommitted from one and then is playing for the other. Yes, indeed. The fan bases would be at each other's throats on that one. Hey, man, enjoy the game. Enough time. Already. Are, are you an S- what, what, what SPF level are you, man? Um, I'm probably like a 30 or so. Attaboy. Attaboy. Uh, but, you know, with with where we are right now with things, the wife can't, uh, can't be out roasting herself, so she's going from, like, tanning oil to, like, 70. Yeah, that's a big difference. That's that's a smart move on her part. It's a big difference. She's actually she's got the uh, the the sun shirts, the swim shirt, yep. the long yep. sleeves. Yep. That's a that's a big departure from the the two piece bikini. Yes, indeed. Especially yeah, from from the cocoa butter to uh to a, to, a, to an over shirt is a huge huge difference. <laughs> Chad, I appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the vacation in Destin, Florida. We'll catch up again at the end of July. All right, sounds good, Skinny. Talk to you soon. Chad, thanks very much. So he he says he's now an SP SPF thirty guy. Are you what, what do you do when you go out in the sun? Are you a are you? A, I'm not a sunblock guy. Yeah, I'm not great about that. I'm I'll terrible be honest with about you. It. I I almost never put it on. If I, I go to the beach, I will. See, um, I don't think I've ever put it on. I'm not sure. Even at the beach, I'm not sure I've ever put it on. Yeah, I'll do I got it a bad beach. windburn sunburn way back in the day at South Padre Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was more windburn. It, it was. It, I just never felt the sun hit me that day. Now, granted, that was awful. That was just awful. I just have. I've never. I, I hate to. Don't listen to me on this, people. Please, because I know I'm wrong. Yeah, people just, are going to be mad at us. I know for they are, but I just don't like to hear that. I just. I'm not a big sunblock guy. I'll do it on the head if I'm on the beach. Yeah, you got less hair the, though. You, you yeah, keep your short hair. Yeah, you keep it short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just not a big. I just. I just cannot do it. So. Yeah, I, I. I hate it. Like yeah. I hate putting it on. I'm with you. I'm with you as well. Right, what do you got up on MusketeerReport.com? Well, I mean, we're just tracking all the yep. all the visits going on, like I talked about earlier, um, and what's going on with Gino Crandall, and if they get him or if they don't get him, they'll they'll still be active in the transfer market. So uh, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that as well. But um, other than that, you know, it's just the podcast we've been doing, the live podcast with Travis Steele I, went really you went, well. Yeah, had how to go, and 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 I'm sure the turnout was great, and I, and I guarantee you, he had a good time, right? Yeah, yeah, we had we had a really solid turnout. I appreciate everyone who who did show up for it, and. I think, you know, we, we kind of teased Travis a little bit since he got the job. He's very much been a coach speak guy who gives similar answers in all his interviews and stuff like that. I thought, one, it was good because we tried to go away from all the questions he had already been asked. Yeah, so he let, and he let down his guard then at that yep. point, right? And, and two, he, gave, he was really, really good. He gave some really good answers. He was funny. Um, like at one point I said, I, I heard you went to the Big East meetings and stared down Jay Wright and said, I'm going to kick your ass for the next several years. And he was like, I won't deny it. So, <laughs> and, and he was talking about how he was, he was kind of a Who no- wins that fight? Jay Wright's a bigger guy, right? Yeah, Jay Wright's bigger. Yeah, I take Jay Wright. Would you? I, yeah. Well, I don't know. Travis looks wiry. Steele won't like to hear that, but I don't think he's a big toughness guy. Does Travis beat anybody's ass in that league? Nah, he's from Danville, Indiana. Wow. I just don't think there's a lot of toughness in Danville. I'll be honest. I don't know, man. Indiana basketball; those are usually pretty tough guys, aren't they? They take charges. They take charges. They know yeah, about that, toughness. That's the type of toughness they exactly. have. Exactly. You feel that's false toughness. Not, though, yeah, right? oh, that's the that's fakest toughness. toughness there is. Oh, take man. guys who take charges is as fake tough as he it could is. beat old man Mullen's ass, can he? 
That's that's the one guy I'm not fighting in that league. <laughs> you just feel like too much New York still in that guy. Oh, he's crazy. There's a weapon somewhere. There's a yeah, weapon hidden he's somewhere. He's got a shank in his coat at all yeah, times. That's probably fair. You're probably yeah, right. All right. Any fair. final thoughts from you, brother? Uh, I th- I think we've covered it. All right. Very good. We've covered co- coaches in the biggies kicking each other's ass. Yep. Sounds like an octagon waiting to happen. All right. Thanks to Rick Boring from MusketeerReport.com. As always, Chad Brenner from Bearcat Journal. I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. <laughs>